party listeners. Welcome back to the Transcend Health podcast. You're here with Duncan and Ollie, two of the physios at Transcend Health. And we're joined today by uh, Dr. Stuart McKenzie. He's an orthopedic surgeon, deals with knees and hips. Um, last episode, we spoke to Stuart about some non-operative measures um, like injections um, and things to do prior to an operation um, before we go that far with, with arthritis in the hip and the knee. Um, and in this episode, Duncan, tell us a bit more about what we're going to be uh, chatting to Stuart about. Yeah, so um, so I've known Stuart for a little while and he does some different things than a lot of other orthopedic surgeons, at least orthopedic surgeons um, in Newcastle. Uh, one of those is to do with robots, which is sounds kind of, you know, sci-fi, what's going on there, kind of deal, futuristic. Um, and the other one is something that, that didn't come onto my radar actually until, until Stuart and I chatted about a week ago, which was uh, the uni knee, which basically stands for unilateral being one-sided. Um, and you, you kind of, from my understanding, but obviously we'll, we'll hear a bit more in a sec, is, um, is you just replace one side of, of the knee joint, essentially. Is that kind of accurate, Stuart, or have I really messed that up? No, that, that's, that's pretty much spot on the mark, yeah. Yeah. So but... the treatment for, surgical treatment for arthritis of the um, knee is a knee replacement. Um, we used to do arthroscopies, um, but we only do that very rarely these days in very select um, situations because for most people that doesn't work. Um, and so the, the treatment is knee replacement. Um, and the options with that are either to do a total knee replacement or to do what's called a half knee replacement or a unilateral or unicompartmental knee replacement. Um, and those, the difference between a partial knee replacement and a total knee replacement is very big. Um, partial knee replacements are a much smaller operation. Um, recovery is much faster. Um, and um, in the short to medium term, the function is probably better with a unique compartmental knee replacement than a total knee replacement as well. That said, total knee replacement is still very good, but in the right patient, unique compartmental knee replacement is probably a better operation. Cool. I, um, you gave us some material prior to this podcast as well, Stuart, which we looked over and found quite interesting. And in there, I noticed that there was a little statement that said that um, a UKR or a, or a unilateral uh, knee replacement, which is what we're talking about, has a lower mortality uh, rate. Do you want to talk a bit more about why that may be? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the mortality rate from total knee replacements is very low. I don't want to scare people. Um, but um, a unicompartmental knee replacement, it's a much smaller operation. Um, so it's a much smaller physiological impact on the patient's body. Um, in traditional ways of doing a total knee replacement, you put metal rods up the bones, up the middle of the bones, and there's some you know, potential issues associated with that. Um, but because uh, unicompartmental knee replacement is just a much smaller operation, a much uh, smaller stress on the body. Um, that all complications are, are less common with partial knee replacement than total knee replacement. As I said, total knee replacement is still a safe thing to do. The vast majority of people do well, um, but it's it, yeah, it's easier to get over a partial knee for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, um, just just for the viewers there, uh, not the viewers, sorry, the listeners there. Um, the just a couple of quick definitions i think so mortality rate uh, or mortality basically means uh, complications or or bad things that 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 may happen after a, a surgery or a particular intervention um and physiology is uh, around what happens with the tissues of the body that, that are affected yeah and look the, 
and um, surgery impacts your entire body. So it impacts sort of your, your heart and lungs and potentially brain and things as well. So yeah, a, a smaller operation is a smaller impact on you in general. Yeah, exactly. Um, just on that, um, like you said, we don't want to scare people away from, from having a total knee replacement if, if that's the right, the right course of action. Um, do you, and you said the, the risk is, is very low. Do you just want to throw us a few quick numbers there, um, Stuart? Um, so, yeah, look, with total knee replacement, every operation has risks involved. Um, with total knee replacement, I guess the, the biggest risk from my point of view is the risk of infection. Um, the risk of that is around about 1%. We do lots of things to make that risk as low as we can. We dress in special spacesuits when we do the surgery, we've got special clean air, air conditioning and injections of antibiotics into the bone at the time of the operation as well. Unfortunately, we can never make that risk of infection completely zero, but it's around about 1%. Um, some other things, you can get blood clots in your legs called DVT that can break off and, and go to your lungs. Again, that's probably about a, a few percent chance of getting a DVT. Having it break off and go to your lungs is quite rare. Um, but if it does happen, it can be life-threatening. Again, we do lots of things to minimise the risk of that. Um, giving blood thinning medication, special pumps to keep the blood moving. And the most important one is um, these days we get people out of bed and walking as soon as we can after their surgery. Uh, in, in the old days, people used to stay in bed for seven days or even longer. Um, and that was when that became a real problem. But now that we get people moving, it's much less of a problem than it used to be. Yeah, and we're obviously probably a little bit better at screening for some of those things as well prior to even considering an operation, right? Yeah, look, we... we Think about risk factors and you know because we know it historically was a problem um you know patients are more likely to get blood thinners to prevent it from happening and all the other things that stockings that we put on and the the, the pumps to move the blood around so a whole lot of things that decrease that risk and you're uh, a bit unique in the fact that you do do a unilateral uh knee replacement it's not very common as you mentioned before um, I have a question in regards to, because my understanding is that if you have a knee replacement of some kind and you have to have sort of a revision every sort of 10 or so years, is the revision for a UKR different to a TKR or? Um, so the, the revision rates uh, for both are a lot lower than people think. Because lots of people have heard that, yeah, I've been told that a knee replacement will last me 10 or 12 years. And perhaps historically that was the case. Um, we've got a lot of data about how long they last because we track every knee replacement, every hip replacement that's done in this country. And so the, the chance of a knee replacement failing and needing to be redone is about half a percent per year from the day of the operation. So there's actually a 95% chance that lasts 10 years and there's a 90% chance if you have a knee replacement tomorrow that's going to last you 20 years. Beyond that, it becomes less predictable, but there's no reason it can't last 25, 30 years. Um, with unicompartmental knee replacements, traditionally, um, it, it's a lower volume operation, um, so not as many of them are done. Um, and because of that, people aren't as good at doing them because they don't have the experience with doing them. But it's also technically a bit of a more tricky operation, and it's less forgiving if you get it wrong. Um, so historically, it has had shorter lifespan, so more likely like a 20 25% chance of having had it redone by the 10 year mark rather than a 5% chance. Um, as you mentioned, I've started doing them using the robot um, system, which has been around in America for quite a while, but only a couple of years in Australia. And we've been tracking our results with partial knees done by the robot um, very closely. We've been doing them for about three or four years now. 
And at, at three years after surgery, if you've had a half knee replacement done by a robot, you've got one quarter of the chance of having had it had to be redone than if you've had a half knee done without a robot. So if you do 100 half knees with a robot and 100 half knees without the robot, in three years, about five of the ones done without the robot will have had to have it redone. The ones who've had it done with the robot, only 1% of them, one out of that 100 will have had to have it redone. So the, the longevity doing it with the robot, well, certainly the survival in the short term is definitely better. We expect the longevity in the long term will be as well. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Do you think um, robotics are going to become a large part of surgery in general? What, what do you think is going to happen in that space with robotic augmented um, practice there? I do. Um, certainly, it's becoming more and more common in um, orthopedic surgery. Also, there's a different robot that they use for doing prostate surgery and some abdominal surgery. Um, the robot for orthopedic surgery is becoming much more popular in Australia. There are more and more of them going in. Um, it's just a far more accurate way of putting things in. And the critical thing with any hip or knee replacement, whether it's a partial knee replacement or a total knee replacement, is being as accurate as you can with putting the pieces in, um, the parts, and making sure you balance all the ligaments out. And the robot is far more accurate than I can be doing it manually uh, and allows me to be more accurate with those two very important things. So I think in the long term, it's going to be a big advantage and we're going to be, end up doing a lot of our surgery using the robot. To help. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have a couple of other questions. Just sorry to That's all right. Doug, but I've got a couple of questions here. Um, the first one is... Obviously, there are a few barriers to getting robotic augmented surgeries, you know, up and running and, and more regular throughout the world. What are yep. some of those barriers and, and challenges that we need to overcome? Um, there are a couple of things. The, the, the big one is cost. You know, the, the robot, the equipment itself is very expensive. Um, and um, that said, for robotic surgery doesn't cost the patient any more for a robotic hip or knee replacement than done without a robot. Um, because that equipment's expensive at the moment, it's only available in the private hospital, not in the public hospital, but hopefully that will change at some stage in the future, but it might be a while. Um, and it's been driven by, there's been really only one company that has a robot. There are now other companies are coming out with them as well. So as there's more com competition, I think the price will come down for the hospital to buy the robot, which will mean it'll be more um, widely available. But it's, and, and it's also because like any new technology, especially in, in medicine, um, we need to prove that it works and that it's better. Um, and so if you're going to invest a, a huge amount of money in buying a robot, you want to know that the outcomes for the patient are better at the other end. And so, as I mentioned before, with the half knee replacements, we're now getting some data that shows that, in fact, it is better for the patient to have it done with the robot. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Did you have anything else? I had one more question. Go for it. Uh, it's a simple one, um, but an important one. Do you find much resistance when you talk to patients about how you're going to do the procedure with a robot? Do some people have, is it, is it a hard thing to sell or is it an easy thing to sell? And what do you say to people? No, um, I, I tell people, obviously, explain what we're going to do with the robot and how it works, which I won't go into here. Um, I, most, lots of people come along already knowing that I use the robot and so are, are keen um, and, and enthusiastic about it. Um, I've had one patient and one patient only in nearly four years say they prefer not to have it done with the robot. Um, but everyone else, everyone's really receptive and, and uh, people get quite excited about the idea of having it done with the robot, actually. Yeah, I think it's really, really cool. And when you when you back it up with the emerging the emerging evidence that that 
complications are less and, and it's more accurate in, in the installation, if you want to call it that of the, the parts, then uh, I think it, it makes a whole lot of yeah. sense. Um, this is a very, very speculative question about, about robots and, and we probably don't really have an answer, but do you, do you think that one day or even in the next sort of 10 to 20 years operations will be done completely via robot or, or not so much? Well, I think it, it, there's a good chance that that will happen eventually at some point. Um, in, in theory, so the robot helps only with certain parts of the operation. Um, and at the moment, the robot is actually capable of doing those parts of the, ro of the operation without my input, without me touching it or holding it. It's not allowed to do that and it doesn't do that. I hold it at all times during the operation. And part of the reason, um, it's well, the, a big part of the reason it doesn't do that is because legislation, um, both here and in America, says that we're not allowed to have a robot do the surgery without me directly controlling it and touching it. But theoretically, I could program how I wanted the knee replacement to go in, you know, do parts of the operation, get it set up so that the robot bits are ready to go, and then just press a button and let the robot do it's, you could do that. It's physically capable of doing that. At the moment, we don't do it for all sorts of reasons. And I think it's it's a bit like self-driving cars. They'll be there eventually, but who knows when. Um, but the, the self-operating robot, probably, I would guess, 10 to 20 years away. Yeah, gotcha. That's that's kind of interesting, kind of cool. And I, I think um, I 100% get why why they wouldn't allow it now and that kind of stuff. And But I think the, the big thing there is and a really important part of patient care is that your expertise and your knowledge will still be needed at that point uh, along with um, GPs and physios and stuff, even if we move to a more automated world because humans interact with humans and they want that reassurance and someone to explain to them and, and that kind of stuff, which I think is uh, all about good bedside manner kind of stuff which is, is cool yeah look, i think there'll always be a role there for sure yeah. uh, it's a long way before the robot's doing the majority of the operate cool i just have one one last little question going back to something you said before um around uh, the uni knee where you said often i believe uh, often um the patient will have more capacity i think to do things or less limitations to do things if they are eligible uh, to have a, a unilateral knee, does that mean, because I get a lot of patients coming to me after knee replacement that we rehab and they might want to start running again or, or something. And, and that's obviously something that we like, uh, probably not um, kind of situation, but do you have anything to add there? So, so a unicompartment, as you said, unicompartmental knee is not for everyone. It's only a good operation in the correct patient and probably up to maybe a fifth of patients could potentially have a unicompartmental knee replacement. So there's still going to be a significant number of patients who aren't suitable for that operation and need to have a total knee replacement. The unicompartmental knee replacement has a bit better function and it feels a bit more natural. Um, one of the things that you have to do to do a total knee replacement is take some of the ligaments in the knee out, whereas with a partial knee replacement, you leave those ligaments in. And what that means is that the knee moves, the biomechanics of the knee are less impacted by a partial knee replacement than they are by a total knee replacement. So people report that it feels a bit more natural than a total knee replacement. Um, and that allows people to have a bit more function and do a few more things. Running specifically, I, I don't tell people that they're not allowed to run with either a total knee or a partial knee replacement. 
but it's probably not a great idea um, because it puts a lot of stress on your joints, um, a lot of impact. And ultimately, if you run a lot with an either any kind of joint replacement, it's going to wear out faster and you're going to need it redone earlier. Um, it's like... Uh, so a joint, it's a mechanical um, bearing, um, like bearings in your car, for example. You know, if you drive a car you know, 100,000 kilometres in five years, it's going to wear out a lot quicker than if you drive it 20,000 kilometres in five years. So if, you, if you're running, it's going to wear it out eventually. Yeah, and that's, that's very much, I think, the conversation you and I have with, with patients. I definitely take it on a case-by-case -case basis with the running, but with a, an air of caution. Um, yeah, and that, that doesn't mean that you can't jog across the street if you need to discourage people from running for fitness and exercise and encourage things like cycling and swimming, which are much lower impact instead. Cool. Well, thank you for, for that, Stuart. Um, and we look forward to having you on again really soon. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. My pleasure.